Today, we talk about racism, the 2020 election, and gender identity. Welcome to the Matt Leary Show. I'm Matthew Leary Jr., and thank you for tuning in. Welcome in, everybody. I'm Matthew Leary Jr., and Happy New Year's. By the time you're listening to this, it is probably New Year's Eve, so I hope that your next year is just as, if not more, prosperous than the last. But with that being said, we have a lot to cover, so let's get into it. Our first topic is California organizers of the upcoming January Women's March cancel it because of the overwhelmingly white participants. Okay, so basically every year there's a Women's March. The locations vary. Last year it was D.C. and they had a massive turnout. They were like overflowing off the streets and stuff, which was great. If you want to exercise your free speech, do it. So anyway... The march is usually made up of different groups that revolve around women and women's rights, and then those group members participate in the march. Simple enough, but not this year. According to ABC7 News, WJLA, the organizers of this California march have decided to cancel the march entirely because there was an overwhelmingly white amount of participants. Okay, so firstly, I don't know what they were expecting living in a country that is 65% Caucasian. That means that pretty much any event that is held in this country is going to have a larger amount of white participants. Unless it is a cultural gathering or something like that, obviously. So for them to act all clueless like they weren't expecting it to be majority white is just plain idiotic. Secondly, I think this streams of racism. And yes, prior to common belief, racism does affect more than just one race. Racism can occur towards any race. If you are a race then by definition, you can be subject to racism, since racism by definition is quite literally the degrading, discrimination, or animation towards a particular race. And I know that historically in America, black Americans have been subject to the most racism, but that doesn't exempt every other race for the rest of history from being discriminated against. So, that is what this is. It is racist. These white protesters probably felt just as passionately about their cause, and were just as excited to help, but on the basis of their pigment, they're being barred from taking part in a public event. And it is really sad to see. And it shows that the left is turning on itself even more than before now. They have fought against minority oppression for so long and aggressively that they have now convinced themselves that racism against white people is in fact anti-racism. This is not the first story and I highly doubt it will be the last one. If I had any advice to give to these organizers, it would be just let them march. I might not agree with everything specifically about your cause, but I know for a fact you are harming your cause by not allowing supporters to contribute just because they have a certain skin color. That's my final thought on the subject. So our next topic is government shutdown. The U.S. government shutdown is now entering its second week, going on nine days to be exact. That makes this the ninth longest shutdown in history. And in complement to this, President Trump's new executive order means that the federal workers set to have a 2.1% raise in 2019 will now likely not see that happen. There are a few things I want to mention here. Firstly, I'm pleasantly surprised that Trump is holding out this long. I think this is business side coming out to light and showing that he won't agree to compromise unless he gets what is most important for his base, which right now is the wall on our southern border. I think that's a nice change of tone because he has compromised on some important things his base disagrees with in the past, such as not pulling out of the Middle East, specifically Afghanistan, two years ago, or banning bump stocks federally. These are all things that his base hates. I also think this kind of bullheadedness is something that the GOP has not had and has been searching for over the last at least 30 to 35 years. 
It's refreshing to see a Republican establishment actually developing a spine and fighting for the things that all Americans in the GOP actually wanted. And if the government shutdown sounds intimidating to you, don't let it. All that happens in a government shutdown is a temporary suspension of every job in government except the basic necessities, which to me as a conservative is the best thing possible because I want limited government. So getting rid of useless government jobs doesn't really bug me and it shouldn't bug you either. So people still get their mail, their social security checks, politicians are still working, everything is okay. This is more about symbolism than it actually is about government funding. And that's what the shutdown has always been about, at least in the last 20 or 30 years. And that segues along with the executive order to stop raises for certain government jobs. This is a good thing, because like I said, the ones not getting a raise are now unnecessary jobs. Jobs like counter clerks in government buildings, secretaries to managers of government buildings, basically the imaginary jobs that Obama created in two terms. I'm not sure how long this will last, but seeing neither side is very keen on any sort of compromise regarding the border, I would get comfortable. We're probably going to be here a while. Okay, so the next topic we're going to cover is uh, California Officer Ronil Singh killed by an illegal alien. So California Police Officer Ronil Singh, a legal immigrant here from Fiji who was serving his community, was killed tragically at a traffic stop on Christmas Day by an illegal alien in California. And as an update, that illegal alien is now in custody and hopefully he will finally be deported. He's had a vast criminal record already along with gang relation, but California's sanctuary state laws by the police force from working with ICE to deport this man. I'm not going to talk about this much beyond that because I don't want to politicize the death. But I will ask, how many more innocent American lives have to be taken for the left to see the kind of people they are actually harboring and protecting? You're not protecting the good, hardworking people who are trying to make a name for themselves in this country. You're protecting criminals. You're protecting drug dealers. You're protecting gang members. Those are the people who come here illegally. And for the most part, they come here legally for a reason. If they had no reason to come here legally, they would be coming here legally trying to make a name for themselves and actually contributing to the American dream. I'm personally grateful that Officer Singh served his country, even if it wasn't my state. I hope his family finds some sort of peace in the future, and I hope that an atrocity like this doesn't have to happen again for the left to see the mistakes they're making. Okay, so our next topic is the article on Vanity Fair that I saw. So I'm going to go through a bit of this article on Vanity Fair. It was by David M. Drucker, and it's titled, Trump Got Lucky, Why GOP Insiders Fear Beto and Biden Over Warren and Sanders. So let me say right off the bat that I agree with this assessment. I agree totally that Beto O'Rourke and Joe Biden are much more worrisome than Elizabeth Warren and Bernie Sanders. But anyway, let's read into this a bit. He starts by saying, quote, Republicans are happy to run against any progressive who tries to compete with Trump at the game he perfected, but they desperately fear another Barack Obama. I also agree with this statement. Most people in America saw how extreme Clinton Sanders progressivism was, and that is partly why Trump won in 2016. But somebody like Barack Obama is a super weapon in likes. Somebody who catered to their identity politics for being a minority someone who is extremely intelligent and articulate, and somebody who was just as, if not further left than Quinn, but masked it by being a cultural icon and speaking in softer terms than he acted. So that evaluation is correct. Anyways, let's keep reading. Quote, Don't kid yourself. President Trump could absolutely win re-election. The old man is pre-naturally intuitive, resilient, 
when most would wit, and just plain lucky. Plus, Justice Ferris Bueller drove Ed Rooney insane. Trump has a knack for goading his political opponents to self-destruct, end quote. Okay, that is probably the most accurate description of Trump a leftist has or will ever give. <laughs> Those are pretty much the reasons why Trump won in 2016. Anyway, let's continue reading. Quote, But as I like to caution Republicans, you never know what will happen in 2020 if the Democratic Party nominates a candidate who is likable, trustworthy, and dot 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 not under investigation by the Federal Bureau of Investigation. End quote. Okay, so firstly, I agree that you never know what could happen in 2020 with a strong enough Democrat running. For his description of that candidate, though, likable, that is fine. There have been plenty of likable Democrat candidates and presidents. Trustworthy, though, I'm not so sure about that one. It seems to me there hasn't been a trustworthy Democrat in the Oval Office since Jimmy Carter. Obama had Fast and Furious, Benghazi, the destruction of Israeli relations, but he turned around and told everybody there was nothing to see. All lies. Then as for Clinton, the Lewinsky scandal speaks for itself. <laughs> Carter was the last Democrat president, to be honest. And even though he wasn't very good, in my opinion, he was a man of his word. He promised removal of all Americans from foreign conflicts. And as a result, only eight soldiers died in his one term. And it was from a helicopter accident, not even combat. Not bad. Anyway, as for that investigated by FBI comment. I can't tell if this is a jab at Clinton being under investigation by Comey a week before the election, or if that is a Trump jab about Mueller in Russia. So I'm going to go with the ignorance is bliss route and pretend it is the former. So I agree with it. I'm not going to read the whole article, but that is the general point of the article. For the GOP to be careful, just assuming that Trump will win because that's what caused the downfall of Democrats in 2016. And surprisingly enough, I liked this article. He gave credit to Trump where it was due and pointed out the problems of Democratic candidates this decade that nobody wants to talk about. It's a sad day when the only decent written Democratic journalist articles can only be found in the Vanity Fair of all places. Okay, so our next topic is Kamala Harris, Elizabeth Warren, Cory Booker, and Kirsten Gillibrand shift into high gear for a 2020 presidential bid. So at minimum, those four Democrats are expected to announce their bids for president in 2020 within the next month or two. If we're being completely honest, none of these Democrats worry me at all. Out of all listed here, Booker is the most worrisome, but I don't see him doing much in a presidential bid anyway. And the fact that Warren is actually going to try to run is a joke. She's getting ripped apart by her own party and even former supporters. When you are losing support in a state as small as Massachusetts, I don't see how you could have a successful presidential bid. Like I said previously, the candidates on the left that I see as actual threats to Trump in the presidency of 2020 are people like Beto and Biden. This is because they are populists, undercover fire leftists disguised as moderates, and they have squeaky clean records that we know of. Somebody like that is what was overwhelmingly desired in this country for eight years, and it wouldn't shock me if that type of candidate posed a threat to the GOP again in 2020. Okay. So our next topic is transgender incident in GameStop. So by now, you have probably seen the video that went viral of a transgender woman in a New Mexico GameStop threatening violence and corporate action towards this clerk. Apparently it stemmed from a disagreement over the value of a returned game. Ironically enough, I think we all feel that pain. <laughs> but when the clerk said, sir, the term sir, this transgender woman went ballistic. So let's just play this clip real quick and then I'll give my thoughts. Credit, sir. You're just giving my fucking money back. Excuse me, sir. There's a young man in 
Excuse me, it's ma'am. It is ma'am. You need to settle down and mind your business, okay? Ma'am, once again, ma'am. I said both of you. No, you said sir. Once again, it's ma'am. I actually said both of you guys. Right beforehand, you fucking said sir. Sir? Motherfucker, take it outside. If you want to call me sir again, I will show you a fucking sir. I apologize. Motherfucker. I apologize now. I need your corporate number. Because I'm going to talk, call them and talk about how it's misgendered several times in this store. I need your corporate number now. Get it for me now. I'm going to ask you to calm down and stop cussing. Give me your corporate number. Well, I'm going to ask you for the fifth time to stop calling me a man. Because quite clearly I am not. And I apologize. I'm sorry for that, ma'am. I'll get you that number, is that okay? Yes, I'm get it for asking. me now. I'm asking you to stop Get it for me now. I'm, I'm not cussing. I'm not cussing. Okay. Get me the number now, please. Ooh! Ooh! Okay, so clearly in the video, I only heard the term sir used towards the transgender woman once. By the lady trying to intervene, she said sir. But given the context of his tone, the clerk probably used the term sir once before recording began. And if you see the video, I don't blame this store clerk. At first glance, this is a man. He's got the body build of a heavyweight boxing champion. He has tattoos all over his arm, he has facial hair, and he speaks in a deep voice. Come on. The only thing signifying that this might be a transgender woman is the eyeliner and the purse. The pink shirt too, but anyhow. So th this store clerk, this poor guy, he apologized and started calling the transgender woman ma'am, like she requested, but the transgender woman is just going ballistic, cussing, belligerently demanding to be called ma'am, kicking things, threatening violence, and I'd be horrified if I was that store clerk too. He's like an average Joe, 5'10ish probably, likely not super athletic, but this transgender woman is like 6'1", 225, tatted up threatening to beat the crap out of this poor store clerk. I'll tell you what though, you have the right to identify as female. You have the right to express yourself. You even have the right to say that you'd like to be called ma'am. But becoming belligerent when somebody misgenders you is not the way to get people to properly gender you. It actually makes them not want to talk to you at all, period. And another fact is that despite how you feel, if that dude didn't want to call you ma'am, he didn't have to because that is protected under the First Amendment. But you know what isn't? Assault. What you were threatening him with. So my final piece of advice will be, identify as what you want to. If I am with you, I would personally call you what you want to be called out of respect. But you can't get furious when others don't. And you definitely can't get violent. It is hurting your own cause. Okay, so our final topic is former Fox News employee denied housing for political beliefs. So this one is rich. And more discrimination against the left that claims to be so anti-discrimination. So you likely didn't hear this one because the mainstream media didn't talk about it at all. And that is why this story is four days old being discussed here right now. So let me explain what happened according to these articles. So this lady, Pardis Sella, I believe her name is pronounced, is a former Fox News employee. I haven't heard of her before this, and they didn't get to detail on her former occupation, but I guess she was sort of a behind-the-scenes kind of person. So she is now in D.C. because of her now employment and looking for a place to live. So she contacted this apartment building about renting a flat in there. So they had to do her background check and her employment status check. 
And they found out somehow that she used to work for Fox. So they sent her an email regarding her interest in renting. I'm going to read it. Here it is. Quote, thank you for your interest, Pardis. After perusing your various journalistic and social media posts, it's pretty clear your political views are diametrically opposed to ours. Parentheses. And we hate Fox. Parentheses. Hopefully, you will find a place where that will be a good fit. Best regards, owner. End quote. I will leave the landlord's name out for respect, but this is appalling. <laughs> We've gotten to a point where the left is discriminating everything and everybody that is not like them or does not feel the same way as them. Obviously, she can just seek rooming in a different house or apartment. That's fine, but that isn't the point. This is somebody who is being denied housing or denied shelter because of their ideological beliefs. This would be the equivalent of somebody being refused housing from a Christian on the basis that they are Muslim or Jewish. It is all based on ideology, and you are free to think all different types. But it is just really sad and childish that we have gotten to a point where just because somebody worked for a new channel you don't watch or thinks differently than you, you want to isolate and segregate them. This one really bothers me, and I hope that Miss Sella finds the housing that she needs. So that's going to wrap up this episode, guys. A lot more covered today, and I'm excited with how things are going in the short lifespan of this show so far. I'm going to be introducing special types of episodes too. For example, the next episode I'm putting out after New Year's is going to be an interview special episode. We'll be having interviewed episodes of all kinds of people, regular episodes like this, episodes discussing history or specific ideologies, and discussion panel episodes where we have like four people on to discuss topics. So if you are watching on New Year's Eve, Happy New Year's, and I hope you have a wonderful 2019. And if you're watching this in the new year already, I hope 2019 is going better than 2018. With that being said, I will leave you with the quote of the day. As Oscar Wilde said, quote, There is a luxury in self-reproach. When we blame ourselves, we feel no one else has the right to blame us. End quote. Good statement to think about. I'm Matthew Leary Jr., and I will see you next time.